Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Thank you for tuning in to the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. I'm Melanie Cogdill, Managing Editor of the Christian Research Journal. It's June 2020, and you're listening to Episode 187, which is a conversation about five ways you can disciple your family during the pandemic. On this episode, I'm joined by journal author Drew Dixon, who is the team leader for Student Ongoing Bible Study at Lifeway Christian Resources and the director of content for Love Thy Nerd at lovethynerd.com, a ministry dedicated to being the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture. Drew has written an online exclusive feature article for the Christian Research Journal, and it's called Five Ways to Disciple Your Family During the Pandemic. And you can read it for free online at our website, Equip.org. Drew, it's good to have you on. Yeah, good to be here. Well, these have been certainly unusual times in terms of the pandemic. So what's life been like for you during the COVID-19 quarantine portion of it? Um, I've been telling people I think we've been more prepared than a lot of other people just for the fact that we homeschool. So that's been good. I mean our kids are kind of used to being stuck at home <laughs> in some ways, I guess. But we've been getting outside a lot and um, I've been working from home and I'm thankful to have a job through all this. And so, yeah, I think we're, we're hanging in there and Tennessee restrictions are even starting to lift in some ways. There's still a lot of restrictions in place, but some businesses are opening back up and stuff. And so we're, I guess it's nice to feel like you see a, an end to this, even if, we, none of us really know what that end is just yet. It's nice to feel like there's, I guess, some, some movements and progress. So how about you? Well, it's hasn't been too difficult, I think. Same with you. I've been working from home. Most of the people have been in our office, but I've been personally working from home. So that's been easier in that regard. But what has been the hardest adjustment for you with this new quote-unquote normal, I guess? Yeah. I think the hardest part is just. Um, like adjusting to being at home all the time, <laughs> you know, uh, trying to figure out, you know, just, I think that introduces some new tensions of, um, you know, respecting each other's space and privacy at times. I mean, having to work from home, you're just around each other all the time. But I think ultimately it's been good. I think that's been the biggest challenge, but I also think it's been good because I think in a lot of ways it's brought our family. Like there's a, I have a greater understanding of my wife and children, I think now than I did prior to this event. So now is there something that during this time, this season that we've had, that's brought you joy, something that might be small, 
not necessarily something big, although it might have been something big that you're particularly thankful for. Yeah, there's been a a lot of things. I think one small thing I would say that's been fun is that um, I think it's just made me want to check in on people more. I think a lot of people have experienced that, but I just have had this desire to call a lot of people and check up on them. And I'm not that type of person. Like I find it difficult to keep up with people unless they're like pretty close in proximity to my life and where I live. And like, it's just, you know, I check in on people on Facebook and stuff like that every now and then, but, but it's been good to catch up with old friends and just to be reminded of how powerful I think it can be for people just to do the small thing of calling and, and, and having a, like I've had more phone conversations, you know, I think we live in an age where it's not as popular anymore to talk to people on the phone. Uh, <laughs> but like, And it almost feels old fashioned, but it's been really good to catch up with old friends and, and just, you know, make sure they're okay. And I've been thankful to have friends who've done that for me as well. It's interesting. I know a lot of people are getting very weary of zoom meetings But Mm -hmm. I know that just through the pandemic with a bunch of women that I serve on a national women's ministry team for where my denomination, where I attend church, we only see each other twice a year in person. But then we started doing a Bible study together. Some of us on the team, it's a, it's a larger team. And we started doing Bible study together weekly. We're just going to do it for 12 weeks, but it's neat because like you said, it's people I love dearly. I don't get to see them except for twice a year. And then here's a mm-hmm. way that I'm weekly connecting to them on a regular basis at the same time to pray together, to go through God's word. Even yeah. if it's for 12 weeks, that's way more time than I ever get with them annually. Mm-hmm. So I'm really thankful. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I talked to a pastor yesterday who told me that like attendance to their small groups, their you know discipleship classes at their church are better than they've ever been before during coronavirus. And I was like, that's crazy. How, how can that be true? And he's like, well, because it's just so easy for people to come over zoom. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Like, like it's uh they don't have to get kids ready uh, for church. They don't have to rush out the door you know, there's, it's just a lot easier. And, you know, of course he said, I don't think that's ideal even, but you know, it's been a blessing. And I think that's probably been true for even the small group that my wife and I attend. So that's kind of cool, I guess. Well, one thing we wanted you to do is that we asked you to write this article just a different way, just talking about one of our taglines at our ministry is truth matters and life matters more. Life meaning the fact of our following Christ, our union with Christ, our sanctification, and those kinds of things. And so one part of that, that a lot of Christians, I think, probably don't robustly invest in is discipleship of their family. Now, I know it seems, you know, basic in some regard that, yes, Deuteronomy 6 talks about how we're to instruct our children. But I think in this modern age, we're so used to, um, it might be different for you because you homeschool, but with people that are actually in a more of a traditional school setting, it's like you're just rushing out the door every day to get to school. And then there's sports and all these activities. And, you know, your kids have just these really full schedules. And so the idea of family discipleship or family devotions, I think for Christians in general, are, are just more neglected than they should be, I think. So 
the pandemic, like you said, brought us together in more of a unique way that was really unexpected. And so I want you to talk a little bit about how you have looked to disciple your family during this season of the pandemic, where a lot of us are just at home more. Yeah, sure. There's several things that I've kind of been trying to do during this time. And and really, a lot of it's like taking advantage of this unique season that we're in. I think every season of life brings with it unique challenges, but also unique opportunities. And I think if we really believe that God is sovereign and that he has a good plan for our lives, that he's working out good, then we should expect that there are unique ways in this moment to seek him and to seek him together with our family. So one thing that I've gotten to do lately that I don't normally get to do is eat breakfast with my family every morning. And so we've just tried to be more intentional with that time. Uh, And my wife always does these things, but it's been nice that I've gotten to be a part now. And so we just, you know, I think family, like this idea of family worship sounds intimidating to a lot of people, but if you could just spend some time each morning at breakfast, like read a short passage of scripture and, and pray together as a family, um, how how powerfully might God use that to um, you know to point your kids to Jesus and and you'd be surprised as we read the Bible our kids are asking questions you know we read the parable of 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 the soils the other day um, the, of the seeds you know and um, my kids are asking all these kinds of questions about what what was Jesus trying to say there and and so then like we don't even really have to plan anything I think that's what a lot of people um, maybe hesitate to to do family worship because they think, oh, I've got to plan something. I've got to be a really good teacher. And it's like, no, you just read the Bible together and then see if your family has any questions. And you'd be surprised at how well that can go. Another thing we've been doing is, you know, you can't really get out much, but, you know, some of the state parks in Tennessee, most of the state parks in Tennessee are open now. But even aside from that, you know, I think all along throughout the pandemic, there have been parks and things that have been open. And so get outside and, and enjoy nature together. Um, discipleship doesn't always have to be this like formal kind of thing, but when you're out in nature together, looking at the beautiful world that our God has created, there are opportunities there to talk about the greatness and, and the glory and the grandeur of God. I also think it's important to just spend fun time, right, with your family, that you communicate to your kids that you want to be with them, you want to uh, with your wife, you want to do things with them that are enjoyable and fun. And so we've also been having a lot of family board game nights um, that I think provide some pretty unique opportunities to enjoy each other. And then I've also encouraged people to practice solitude. I think one of the greatest gifts we can give our spouses in the midst of this pandemic is to give them some time to be alone. We're around each other constantly in this time. And as a result, we can really annoy each other and really get on each other's nerves. And um, I think it's just healthy to give each other some space and time to give, you know, your spouse permission to go on a walk by themselves without any kids uh, or give them permission, right? Not that they need it. I mean, but, you know, to just say, hey, I really want you to go and have some time by yourself. I will entertain Uh, and hang out with our kids for however long you need, you know, because it's, I think, obviously we know solitude is important for our spiritual health in numerous ways to get alone and seek the Lord, but uh, also just for our emotional well-being, I think. Um, And so uh, that's another thing I've been trying to do. 
Um, and then finally, I encourage people to look for ways to serve others. I think um, a robust vision of discipleship includes like giving back. And, and so there are unique ways in this pandemic that we can be doing that. And if we're not, I think we're missing, you know, a, a huge part of what it means to follow Jesus, to look for ways to, to serve others and give back and, and make disciples ourselves during this time. I think it's good to think about discipleship in a more robust way in terms of what it means to just, you know, really fully inhabit our faith. And I think that a lot of times people particularly think it's programmatic, like discipleship mm-hmm. is a program, or I have to match myself up with someone, or I have to sign up for a small group. And all those things are good. We should have spiritual mentors in our lives. We should be involved in small groups so where we're yeah. known and, and be in the word together with others. But I think a lot of times family discipleship probably takes more of a backseat than personal discipleship for people of mm-hmm. families. And I know your kids are younger than my kids. I have one young adult child that's already even married, but then I have another teenager at home. And I just think we forget about those times. And I've mentioned on this podcast before where you know, you're in the car with your kids and you can talk to them. I mean, you can talk to them about God. You don't all have to be, Mm -hmm. you know, plugged into devices or, you know, blurring the radio or music or something like that. There's unique ways in which we can, we should be thinking about different opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, um, this, this pandemic has forced us to spend a lot more time together. And so, um, yeah, I would just encourage people to think, how can I leverage the time I'm already spending with my kids just to, yeah, like you said, just have a conversation about about God, about the Bible, about them and where they are and how they're doing. You're listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. Today's guest is Drew Dixon, who has written an online exclusive feature article for the Christian Research Journal, and his article is called Five Ways to Disciple Your Family During the Pandemic. And you can read it for free online at our website, equip.org. I'd like you to help us to continue to give you this free content on this podcast and more free content like this online exclusive feature article that Drew has written by doing one of a few things that you could do for us. The first one is, at no cost to you, and I know you've been thinking about it, please rate or review our podcast. When you do that on Apple Podcasts, you can search for Postmodern Realities and there's a starred review you can do, or you can write us a written review. If you could just write a really short, quick written review, we'd really appreciate it because it helps other people find our content. The more reviews that we have, the higher it comes up in searches for similar kinds of content that we're providing here at Postmodern Realities. The other way you can support us is just to give us a tip of three or five dollars, something like that. You can do that easily at our website, equip.org. Just go to magazine at the drop down menu, select Postmodern Realities, and go to the landing page for this episode or any episode and click the link to give us a tip. Or you can just subscribe to the Christian Research Journal for $33.50 at our website, equip.org. And thank you for the ways that you're helping get this material out to more Christians so that they can be equipped. Thank you. Well, I want to unpack some of the different things you mentioned a few moments ago about different tools you're using for discipleship with your family that 
you know, we might not think are necessarily tools. And again, I think it's because Christians today tend to compartmentalize their lives. Mm -hmm. In other words, here's the sacred stuff that I do. And here's the quote unquote secular stuff I do. And it's hard for people to realize, wait a minute, I should be doing my work at my job for the glory of God. I I can be, you know, going grocery shopping for my family because God's given me a family and he's called me to serve them for the glory of God. So a lot of times we don't think of just the sacredness of everything that we do in terms of things that God has called us to. And so I do want to unpack some things that you said, because I think some people would think that entertainment is something quote unquote secular. So that doesn't Mm -hmm. include anything that's spiritual. So I'm want you to talk about, you mentioned a few moments ago, family game nights, particularly you talk about, I know a lot of times when we talk about game nights, now people think of video games, but you were talking about board games in your article. Is there something that most Christians wouldn't think of when it comes to discipleship and a family game night? And why did you mention board games in particular? Yeah. So I think it starts with this reality too, that we're not just intended to spend all of our time working and doing like formal types of discipleship. I mean, we're commanded, right, to spend an entire day in rest. And that's one of that's one of the earliest things God told people to do. And God even modeled it for us by um by resting on the seventh day. And so um like that's an invitation to to stop being productive, right? To stop doing things, producing things, um, and and I think um, the Bible actually values play. We have some really interesting pictures of the new heavens and the new earth in the Bible that talk about um, you know children playing in the streets of a renewed Jerusalem when when Christ returns, um, and so. I think God values the idea of playfulness and play. Um, and I think uh, board games in particular have the potential to bring people together and provide us unique opportunities to interact. When you play a board game with, with kids, you're all signing up to, to kind of a unique experience together where you're all going to abide by a, the same set of rules. And, you know, we have to put our phones away. Well, to play them and it'd be fun. <laughs> you have to put your phone away, I think. Um, and because you have to be paying attention, people have to be dialed in for a board game to be really fun together. But, uh, but it, it provides an opportunity for focused family time. And so um, there's, there's countless lessons we can learn through that. Um, through playing board games together, we can both um, give our kids opportunities to learn how to win and lose graciously. Um, they can learn how to work together because there's lots of cooperative, there's lots of great cooperative board games. So they're not all competitive. Um, and, uh, you know, they also learn how to think strategically. There's the, all those things are valuable, but most importantly, we're doing those things together. And so there's lots of like learning moments, I think in the midst of a board game, if you have younger children and they flip out every time they lose, that's not an indication that you can't play board games with them. That's just an indication that you need to continue patiently teaching them what it looks like to rejoice with those who rejoice. And, you know, so what does it look like to congratulate your sister when she beats you in this game instead of, you know, losing your mind? <laughs> so, yeah, it's those those life on life moments that I think board games provide us some really great life on life moments where we can have one, just enjoy each other 
and enjoy not feeling like we have to be productive for for a while um, and just enjoy hanging out with each other. But then also they provide us lots of teaching moments and uh, moments to understand each other better. And understanding each other better, I think, is a huge part of discipleship because, you know, we can love each other better and better point each other to Christ. I want to tell our listeners if they're not familiar with board games. I think a lot of us think of games that we grew up with, you know, and the classics, I'd say, like Monopoly or Scrabble or um, maybe the game of life or something like that. Sorry, those are things. But there's actually been a resurgence of what's called modern board and card games. And back three years ago, we did an in-depth episode on an article about the ethics of modern board and card games. And you can read that and listen to it on our website, equip.org. And also I want to point everyone to something Drew did for us last year. If you're a newer listener to this podcast, and that is last summer, he did an article for us about summer vacation and kids kind of getting a little bit too plugged into their video games. And are there some gaming opportunities that are maybe better alternatives to popular video games like Fortnite or even some of the games on the Switch these days that a lot of the kids, a lot of the classic games, but how can we kind of engage together more face to face? And so I'll let you discover those articles, but I will just mention that people probably don't know that because gaming has increased with video games, people are also going back and discovering board games. And in this space, which is a hobby for a few people, is that there's more than 3,000, I mean, thousands of modern board and card games. And so Drew gives us a few suggestions, but literally since there's thousands that come out, this is annually. So there's (laughs) probably... More than 10,000 games for you to choose from. You can find, you know, his suggestions are a starting point, but you probably can do some research and find any kind of theme that you're interested in. Or like Drew mentioned, games, if you enjoy cooperative play where you're playing together against the AI of the game as a team, there might be some other suggestions that you can discover. So that's something neat. You also mentioned a few moments ago, hiking in your article that, you know, the parks in your state in Tennessee are opening up. And I wanted to know, that's kind of interesting. Why did you feel like you wanted to mention hiking? Because again, it's something that we think of, well, how does that hiking have anything to do with family discipleship? It's just going outside, enjoying nature. What is, how would you even tie that to discipleship? Uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it's probably somewhat personal for me too, because that was part of how my dad and I grew up connecting about. I think I'm um, like, like my parents didn't really do a whole lot of formal discipleship. I mean, we would read the Bible together on holidays, you know, at Christmas and Easter and things like that, but it wasn't something we did a whole lot together. But my dad would take my brother and I backpacking and uh, on backpacking trips, and we would always read the Bible on those trips. And I'd remember that. It was hugely impactful in my walk with the Lord and me seeking the Lord. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's one thing to talk about how glorious our God is in creation, but it's a whole nother thing to do that while you're watching the sunset together or while you're standing over an overlook or near a lake, because then we're right there in it. But, you know, there's countless examples in the Bible of how the created world testifies to the goodness and glory and you know, artistic craftsmanship of the God that we serve. Yeah, I mentioned this in the article, but there are several theologians that call, you know, nature, the created world, the second of God's two books. So God communicates to us most clearly in his word, but he also communicates to us very clearly 
through nature. I mean, Paul said God's divinity and, and power are made clear in what's been created. And so if that's true, then, you know, being in nature together provides us a lot of opportunity to set our hearts and minds on God. And we, you know, we see that all over the Bible. And so I think one of the cool things that's come out of this whole coronavirus thing uh, out of this pandemic is that people are just getting outside more. Like they can't stand to be inside all day. And part of me is annoyed by it because like hiking's actually been a hobby of my family for a while. And so to see how crowded <laughs> some of the parks are, I'm like kind of annoyed by. But ultimately, I think it's good that people are discovering how much benefit there is in getting outside with your family together. But, you know, I think those kind of hikes provide you opportunities to just to have those kind of conversations about, you know, how, about seeing God's glory in nature. And it doesn't have to be forced uh, because it's really easy to talk about uh, the greatness of God when you're staring at something uh, amazing or beautiful or, or intricate or detailed, you know. I found that those things just kind of come out and I don't have to force it when I'm out, I'm outside with my, with my family. And also, again, it's just more focused family time, right? Where we're unplugged a little bit, like some of the places we go hiking, I don't even have a cell signal. So that's kind of nice, you know, to just have that focus time to talk about what's important. I was just talking to a different author on a podcast recently, and they were just saying that they always go running trail running and they'd never see a soul going trail running with their wife. Mm -hmm. But now it's like they get there and even like these more obscure trails is just packed with people. And I guess yep. that's a, I mean, that is a good thing that like you said, people are getting out. I know in just even in my neighborhood and I live in a state that's very tree, a lot of trees. So do you in Tennessee, a lot of woods, as opposed to some people who like might live in, you know, New Mexico where there's more desert or Arizona, but, um, just usually, even though we do have such beautiful outdoors, you don't see that many families taking walks together. And now just you do. You just see a lot of families mm -hmm. walking the dogs together or getting out there and taking a, a, a family walk together with everybody, not just the kids yeah. or one parent, but like the, both parents and the kids and the dogs and everything like that. Well, I think sometimes people are feeling intimidated. Parents, when I say people, parents, Christian parents, just about when they're in those specific situations, whether it's a board game night that they're, or they're um, hiking outside, hiking, looking at God's creation, where they're feeling like, how do I not feel awkward or sound like I'm being lecturing or preachy in terms of discipleship opportunity? And sometimes it's, it's more difficult with kids, right? Your own kids, like you could be yeah. discipling somebody else's kids and it's so much easier to get into that, but you just feel a little bit more intimidated. I don't know, or just like, how do I bring this up or what do I say? So mm -hmm. are there some words of encouragement that you could give Christian parents as they try to approach this in a, you know, a natural way that, that doesn't seem to your kids like, Oh, I'm going to get some long lecture or sermon yeah. or something like that. Sure. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for us that we've tried to do, and we fail at this constantly, and I, because I have a background as a pastor, so it's super easy for me to preach at my kids, um, <laughs> you know, and, and get, and jump into uh, pastor mode or whatever, pastor dad. Um, but I think most parents probably don't have that exact problem. Um, but I think it's just the thing that's been helpful for us is my wife and I really try to to just ask lots of questions and listen to our kids. Um, 
And so, so, you know, example could be, um, just asking them about how did it go playing with your sister today? Like, did you guys have fun? What did you do? Um, it could be as simple as that. And that, you know, uh, my kids are really forthcoming. And so they'll, they'll tell us like, it was a lot of fun, but we fought about this. And so then, Hey, look, all of a sudden there's this opportunity to, to not be judgy and be like, well, why are you guys fighting? But to, Oh, well, what did you fight about? How did, how did it, how did it play out? And, you know, um, those are opportunities to provide a little bit of instruction and guidance. Um, so anyway, I think I just like the big thing I do is just try to look for those opportunities to provide some guidance and direction without it feeling like a sermon, you know? So yeah, I, I would just encourage parents to ask a lot of questions. Let your kids feel like they are in the driver's seat in some of this. Um, not that they are, but let them feel that way, I think is really valuable. So like, you know, when you're trying to do, even when we are doing some formal discipleship type things, when you read the Bible together, you can ask them, what do you think that means? Do you have any idea what that means? You know, what that passage means and let them give their answer. And then, you know, as they veer off track, you can provide some direction and guidance and steer the conversation in a way that's healthy. But yeah, I think listening and and just another big thing is just, you know, intentional time together. I mean, I've, that's that's why I mentioned board game nights and hikes and things like that, because those are opportunities to just have intentional time together where I think like if our hearts are, if we're seeking God intentionally on our own in some way, like then when we have intentional time with our family, like those things are going to come up and, and we're going to, we're going to see opportunities. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think a big part of it is, is asking questions and listening. Um, we, we should really have a passion to understand our kids and to love them as they are. So that helps a lot, I think. I think one of the things that is a struggle for me as a parent, and probably most parents are in this, is that, you know, like you said, we don't listen that much. We like to download to our kids. There's something we Mm -hmm. want to tell them. And then I think you would be surprised in terms of asking questions that questions, think about asking some questions, especially if you have middle school and high school and college age students think of asking questions that you normally would ask in your own discipleship opportunities. If you're discipling people, I usually ask a lot of questions. I'm known for being an ask a question asker and asking people how they're doing and so forth. And, but I don't know that I did it with my kids very regularly. And so several years ago when my son was in college, I think it was his last year, I thought, Oh, I'll ask him the question. And I asked him just like, what has the Lord been teaching you? And I was really super surprised at the answer. I was not expecting that answer. And it was really encouraging to me to see the Lord at work. I mean, he felt yeah. like he didn't um, have a smartphone till he went to college, but he said, you know, I think social media is a waste of time. I felt like I wanted to pray more. I felt like I wanted to, even if I'm biking to campus, I want to pray more. I want to be in the word more. So he deleted it off his phone. And he's in Gen Z, you know, and that's certainly not what I was expecting. You know, a lot of Uh times you get the Sunday school, well, God's teaching me about trusting him or whatever. And I, that's what I guess I was expecting. And so you never know how your kids are processing. So I agree with you. Ask them questions in a natural way that you would ask when you're in Bible study with adults and just make it. Yeah. It's so hard to, for me to give them space to just like answer, you know, because it, and that, I think that's what I would encourage people to do. Really try to discipline yourself when you ask those questions, give them some time to think and answer 
and uh, instead of just immediately jumping in and telling them, oh, well, here's here's what you really should be thinking or, or doing or whatever, um, because they need to process like, um, you know, like my kid, a discipleship conversation that's happened a lot in our family is that my daughter has, uh, there's kind of like a triangle of friends in our neighborhood now that now that they're allowed to play with each other a little bit uh, is it's there's been a lot of tension there. And so I constantly want to get, want to be like, well, here's what you need to do. Uh, because she has these two friends that are kind of competing for her time, right. And her attention. Um, and we're trying to help her love them both. Um, even though there's some, you know, there's occasionally some spitefulness and things like that. Um, but I constantly want to tell her exactly what to do when in reality, I need to help her come to those conclusions. You know, I think that's more powerful anyway. That's a more powerful form of discipleship. And it's so hard for me to give her space to think. Uh, but I do think it's super important. And that's kind of the hard work of doing discipleship with your own kids. Sometimes, like I was saying earlier, it's easier to do it with other kids if you're involved in youth ministry, maybe, than to do yep. it with your own kids <laughs> yeah, and just to you know apply what you would do with other kids <laughs> in your own uh-huh. family and especially this younger generation that they're just experiences so different than um, previous generations with just the technology and learning what it means to be and that's a way we can teach our kids to be more relational you know the the mm-hmm. bible calls us to be in relationship to one another and they're so they've had so much of their relationship mediated by texting or screens with their friends, you know? And so what does it look like to regularly interact with them in person, your kids? And now you can, because there's your, you, you know, before everything's been canceled, there's no sports practices, there's no dance, you know, recitals, Mm -hmm. there's no, my um, teenagers involved in music, there's no more, you know, orchestra practices and things like that. So there's more time for sure. So finally, what what kind of tips or suggestions do you have for, you know, parents that are struggling to have regular devotional times? Again, getting back to, well, family worship or mm-hmm. family devotion. I really liked your suggestion of just, hey, we're eating a meal together anyway, whether it's now breakfast or maybe if you have older kids and they're sleeping in, if they're teenagers, maybe it's dinner time or more people are doing lunches together now. And now it's kind of blended in from there was no school and now we're into summer. So there is, you know, if you had a regular school time and everyone goes back to school, how do you maintain this? Like yeah. you won't be here all the time. So it's maybe dinner or something like that. Mm-hmm. So what other suggestions do you have? Because I think a lot of times parents can't think of, well, wh- how do I, what do I do next? Or how do I do this? Yeah. I think that's the biggest one that you mentioned already. Do it in a regular rhythm of your lives. So if you have younger children, I think a great time is bedtime. So we always read stories together and we always pray together. That's a really quick moment of spiritual connection, right? That I can have with my children, breakfast or dinner, whichever meal that you most often have together as a family, there's an opportunity just to do something simple, like read the Bible together. I think maybe I even thought about it this way for a while when I was first starting out as a parent, I was like, I got to have all this stuff planned out. I've got to have this clear vision. And I think just start. That's what I would say. Just get going. Um, Just even if it's just something as simple as reading the Bible and having a quick prayer together as a family, at least, you know, you're doing something, you're you're getting going. And I also, I think another really important piece of advice is don't worry if your kids aren't that into it. 
like that if your kids aren't that excited about it or into it and they probably won't be for a while because it's going to be new to them and you're you, you know kids love routine and so if you introduce some new routine at first they're going to hate it but then uh because you're messing with their normal way of life and their normal operation you know of, of daily life but eventually they'll grow to love it and that's what we've seen happen with our kids at first it was like oh gosh you're gonna make us sing a song again because we actually do some like we sing together and we we do some scripture memory stuff together um i talk about it in the article so ours is a bit more involved probably than some and i think don't feel like you have to start there but we do these things together and at first my kids are like Ugh. but now they've got all these verses memorized <laughs> you know and like we sing memory verse songs together and they've started singing. We sing a hymn together. And at first they didn't like that at all, but now they've started singing. So just keep your expectations low about how much they're going to enjoy it as you start. And I think you'll be surprised at eventually how much they get into it. I think yeah. one thing that parents of middle school and high school students are, I was like, Oh, what's a good book for them to do devotions. And then they feel you know challenged or frustrated if they don't see their kids doing a quote-unquote quiet time or time in the word regularly. But here's a way that even if they're having some attitude issues, if you get into the warp and woof of every night, we're just going to be reading a short passage of scripture after dinner. And maybe that's the way you get them into it, you know, because yeah. sometimes mm -hmm. it's hard to say, oh, here's a book. Can you read this devotional book for teens? And yeah. then tell me if you answered the questions or something like that. But if you go into it with them and walk through it with them. Maybe that's how you can get them to do devotions yep. or even kids that are questioning their faith. They're like, I don't know if I believe all this stuff. It's like, well, you can, a lot of times your natural response for people like that are, are is not going to go to the Bible. But if you're having those regular times and you're reading the Bible with them, they might be surprised. Oh, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Or what do you think about yeah. what is said here or mm -hmm. those kinds of things? And I think the Gospels are a great place to start with your kids. I mean, I think like all scripture is God-breathed, right? And is is inspired and is for our good. But I think, you know, the Gospels are in a lot of ways are kind of the pinnacle of what the Bible's building towards, what the narrative of the Bible is building towards. So if you start with the Gospels and just read some stories about Jesus and give your kids the opportunity to ask questions and, and um, ask them what they think. And again, just listen. I think a lot of the goal of time with your kids is to help them develop a curiosity about the gospel, to help them develop a curiosity about the Bible and God and the story of the Bible. And um, even if they're not into it yet, if they can, if we can just get the, just spark their curiosity, um, I think God might use that uh, to, to do a great work in their lives. My husband's a huge fan of reading the gospels out loud and I know that a lot of times Christians, we tend to hang out in Pauline letters or places where it's theological teaching about what Jesus did, but we don't go to the Gospels very often, except for, yeah. you know, a Christmas or Easter, those types of things. And a lot of times if he's like, you know, I'm, of course you do if you're doing, if you go through a daily reading plan for the Bible that you'll, you'll hit the Gospels. But a lot of times we tend to study other parts of the Bible than like, oh, well, what did Jesus mm -hmm. actually do? What was recorded about Jesus, what he did? Yeah. And sometimes when you go there, you'll be surprised. Wait, Jesus did that? And wow, what do I think about that? That that seems like not something a religious uh, teacher would do. Is that is that who he was? Like, who was Jesus? And I think you're really confronted with who he is and who yes. he says he is. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. 
And I think Jesus is constantly um, challenging our preconceived notions about like what it means to be a good religious person <laughs> and the gospels. And I think in, in ways that are really good and healthy. Um, and I think the, the sooner you can introduce that to your kids, you know, and I think a lot of teenagers even too can identify with, with some of that because Jesus didn't live in a way that was just like, hey, I'm going to go fit in with all, with everybody else and kind of abide by all the religious rules and things of his day. But he really kind of challenged a lot of those systems. And I think, uh, I, you know, I think it's a story that every teenager can relate to. Well, finally, I want to end with some fun rapid fire questions for Drew. And I've been asking a couple of these during the pandemic time, but First of all, what have you guys been doing eating-wise? Have you been going to comfort food now that maybe you're cooking more? Or have you guys been eating healthily or doing takeout to support restaurants in your area? Yeah, we've been trying to do takeout like once a week to support restaurants in our area. But otherwise, our family eats pretty healthily, mostly because my wife has a lot of like food sensitivities. And so, so uh, and she's she graciously uh, handles the majority of the cooking, I do some in our family. And so because of her, like a lot of foods she can't really eat, like we always eat pretty, pretty healthy. So thankful for her. You talked a lot about getting outside and hiking. And I know you live in Tennessee, so not everybody's in Tennessee. But for those people that travel that way or live near there, what's one of your favorite hiking spots? Sure. Um, I'm kind of hesitant to say because I don't want to share them sometimes with people. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, just because they're getting overcrowded. Yeah, too, too but, no, uh, my uh, Tennessee is on uh, great parts of Tennessee are on the Cumberland Plateau, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And so, there's my favorite thing is it's a little bit a little ways away from Nashville, but you're looking about an hour half drive to get to the plateau. But uh, um, there is a state park called Savage Gulf State Park that has a trail called Stone Door, and it gives you some amazing views of looking down out off of the top of the Cumberland Plateau. And so uh, if you're ever out this way, you'd want to check that out for sure. What is something that's on your bucket list? Oh, yeah. Um, well, you have me thinking about hiking, so... And, and that kind of thing. So one of the things on my bucket list is to go to Moab, Utah um, and go to like arches and canyon lands. It's part of the country I've never been to that I've always wanted to go hiking there. So uh, I think the national parks have opened back up now. So maybe I'll get to do that before too long. <laughs> I think this is an aside and I don't know if you put it on your list because I can't remember your, your list for board games offhand, but I do want to recommend to people that if you like hiking, there's a game that's really family friendly called parks yep. and there's just some beautiful illustrations of various different natural parks. It's very relaxing. You take your little pond person that looks like a person and you go visit and take photos of different national parks. So if that's something that appeals to you, like I said, there's a board game for every yeah. possible mm -hmm. theme. Well, also finally, people probably want to know now toilet paper's back in stock, but <laughs> we had a shortage for a while. So at your house, do you hang your toilet paper over or under? Oh, uh, over? Yeah, I think over. Well, thanks, Drew, for being <laughs> a guest on the Postmodern Realities Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
You've been listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. Today's guest has been journal author Drew Dixon, who has written an online exclusive feature article for the Christian Research Journal. You can read it for free at our website, equip.org. And Drew's article is called Five Ways to Disciple Your Family During the Pandemic. We'd like to hear from you, so connect with us on social media, like the Bible Answer Man Facebook page, and follow CRI, Christian Research Journal, Hank Hanegraaff, and the Bible Answer Man on Twitter. And please subscribe to the Bible Answer Man channel on YouTube. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the Postmodern Realities podcast on iTunes, and please rate and review our podcast. When you rate and review our podcast, it helps others see our content. And please share this episode on your social media accounts. Be sure you tune in daily to the Bible Answer Man broadcast hosted by CRI President Hank Hanegraaff, who answers your questions live on air. To ask Hank a question, call 888-ASK-HANK, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. In addition, head to iTunes and subscribe to Hank Unplugged, Hank's audio podcast, Follow Hank off the grid, where he has in-depth conversations with some of the brightest minds discussing topics you care about. So until our next Christian Research Journal author conversation, thanks for listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast. Mm-hmm.